Hello and welcome everyone to the Ducky O'Brien Show. I am your host, Ducky O'Brien. My real name is Sam, but I go by Ducky O'Brien on Twitch and other platforms. Anyways, welcome to episode 6 of my video game podcast covering news, reviews, and guides. So I know I haven't released this episode in a while, and I haven't released my playthrough episodes in a while, but uh, that's because I've been covering a lot of games. I've covered 20 games in 30 days. In the month of April alone, I've covered 20 games. So that's quite a bit. It's been keeping me quite busy, but I'm also happy because I enjoy doing it, and I feel quite blessed that the PR folk out there, the publishers, the developers would approve my key requests and you know i don't make any money doing this so the only way i can keep doing this is if i get games for free so much appreciated and i'm grateful and i really do thank those people out there so there you have it that's why i've been really busy also i'm uploading everything from my home internet connection i used to use my public library but you know, they closed due to the coronavirus. I believe they opened again, like, literally a few days ago. But to be honest, I'm a little afraid to go back there. So uh, I'll probably stay at home and just slowly upload my videos over time. Anyways, why don't we get into it? Our first section currently playing. Okay, so... My current queue is pretty much the same. I got Astroneer, Atalashef, uh, No Man's Sky, and The Witcher 3. Tools up, I pretty much finished. I got three stars on every level. I have those videos up on my channel. Every level, all 30 of them, three starred by myself. Now, some of the achievements I'm still working on. But I think the hardest is to get three stars on the party levels. Now, those are pretty hard to do solo. So I might give up on that for now, but I'll return to it later. Um, Chef is pretty much the same. I'm still, still slowly working through the game. Once I beat it, and then I will go work on getting um, 100% on every level. And then for the cycle, I took a little break because I kind of didn't like where they were taking the game in terms of balancing it. So I was like, eh, I'll just come back later. I still think it's worth checking out. I still think it's pretty unique and fresh. Uh, as long as they keep it casual. That's why the game appealed so much to me. Was because it was casual enough where you didn't have to try hard. But if you did try hard, you can do extremely well. So that's why I like the game. And they're kind of going away from that direction. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. But it's not something I'm looking for. Anyways, for Astroneer, I just watched the developer stream today. Uh, so they have two big leaks. The first one is a little robot dude who is basically a free camera. That's right. You can now position a camera freely in the game and then use that to record footage. So that's going to be coming out in the May update along with the dedicated servers. So that's... Pretty big for content creators. I always love making movies in Astroneer. You know, I make music videos. I make whatever. I try to make short narrative videos now. But, you know, the camera angles always restricted me. And now that is taken away and I'm given more freedom. Now I can create to my heart's content. Anyways, the next big thing coming out in June is automation. That's right. They're going to have a little robot arm. Didn't fully explain it. 
but it will automate a lot of things. You can program it, etc. All the features won't be available when they first release it. It's going to be added in over time. And man, I'm actually excited for this because I do production line stuff in Astroneer. I do soil farming. I made a video covering three different methods, drill mod one, uh, medium storage units, and then medium wind turbines. And I do the math, you know, material efficiency, time efficiency, and usability, and uh, that kind of stuff I enjoy highly. So the fact that they have automation coming in is mind-blowing. I would highly recommend checking out the VOD of the stream. You're going to be pretty hyped. Another thing that I'm glad they did was uh, I always want ways to support developers that I like, but those guys, they usually don't charge for DLC. They don't nickel and dime the customers and they release free content all the time. So my two, you know, favorite developers right now, Hello Games, who makes No Man's Sky, and System Era, which makes Astroneer. Now they've been, both companies have been releasing a lot of free updates for a long time. And, you know, I'm always thinking, like, how the heck are they making any money? You know, the only way they can make money is if someone buys a copy of the game. And apparently there are enough people buying copies of the game, but eventually that's going to run out. So as the people at Astroneer are releasing a skin, it's really cool. It's like a little robot buddy. I want to have a picture up here. Up, up, up here. Magic. <laughs> it's going to be magic. Uh, but yeah, it looks pretty cool, and I support this because they are committed to releasing free updates forever. Their mentality is if they have something playable in the game, it should be playable to everyone who buys a copy of the game, no matter what. Like if it's on sale, if they got gifted a copy, it doesn't matter. They want everything playable. Um, they're still going to have free events, all of that, but you know they still need ways to generate it. A profit or revenue so then they can support all the people working there and uh, i for one and i'm gonna i'm gonna buy this immediately so take my money <laughs> it's not because i want the skin i genuinely want to support the devs because we need more companies like them out there in the world today in the world of video gaming people who believe in their games people who support the heck out of their games people who keep releasing free content people who treat the player base right and a lot of big companies don't do that. So if you want companies like this to stick around, you need to support them financially. All right, moving on to... Oh, before move, I move on to No Man's Sky, uh, I'm turning the solo into a cube. I have a video out about that on my channel. Uh, I ran into some difficulties, but I tabled that for now because I'm currently working on the Salvage Initiative. My goal is to hit 160,000 points. I'm streaming that on Twitch right now on Tuesdays and Thursdays, evenings, U.S. Central Time, around 10 p.m. or so. And uh, yeah, if you want to check that out, it's kind of grindy, but I really want to get up there. I want to get 160,000 points. I think that'll be enough to get to 10th place on the leaderboards. That's my main goal, because there's some crazy people out there who... I don't know how they do it, to be honest. They must be playing 24-7. But, like, number one in the Christmas event, I was like, what the heck? How do you even get that? <laughs> it was an insane amount of points. I forgot the name. But, yeah, they do have leaderboards internally, so my goal is to get uh, 10th place if possible. Uh, so let's see how well we do. Uh, 
And then going on to No Man's Sky, the mech is out, the exomech. It's called the Minotaur. It's pretty darn cool. So one thing they did was they slightly nerfed Exocraft in that they're no longer immune to weather. It used to be that way when you were inside an Exocraft, you were immune from the weather outside. Now you kind of need environmental shields and they need to be recharged. And I'm not the biggest fan of that change, but the Minotaur, the mech, doesn't need shields. So it kind of gives you a reason to use the mech. So I understand why they did that. But other than that, uh, I really like the balance changes in the game and that they're making the game more convenient and less tedious. About 99.99% of the updates make the game less grindy and less tedious. So uh, I support it. I think they know what they're doing. So I'll trust their judgment. But yeah, you can hide wires now, by the way. That's the biggest thing that I took out of it. I like building. And if you guys like building in No Man's Sky 2 and those wires were driving you insane, guess what? You can hide them now. Uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> also, I, I, I started my playthroughs again. I'm getting the living ship. Uh, if you guys haven't gotten it yet or don't know how to get it, it's pretty involved. You have to have Quicksilver, so you can grind that in the community missions in the Anomaly. Just go to the Nexus. It's the big thing in the center when you land. Um, just do the missions that give you Quicksilver. I think you need 3.2k. And then you go to the Quicksilver bot, which is located near the Nexus. And then you get the egg, you put it in your ship, you fly, uh, and then you make hyperspace jumps to systems. And then you'll meet a living ship, and then the egg will talk to you and say, you gotta go to this location, you're probably gonna need an Indium drive. So then you have to install the Cadmium drive, go to a Red Star planet, mine some Cadmium, build the Emerald drive, go to a Green Star system, mine some Emerald, build an Indian drive, and then finally you can go to a destination planet. And when you get there, it'll tell you a hint as to which planet the egg wants you to go to. And then once you go to the planet, you have to go to specific coordinates. Now the coordinates are located on the bottom left-hand side of your ship. When you look on um, the control board, like it's on the left-hand side, you can see the coordinates there. And when you fly there, you'll find a monument, and then the monument will be like, you have to mine this and craft this harness to talk to the egg and then you can get your ship so it's kind of kind of involved it takes a long time it's not necessarily apparent uh what you're supposed to do sometimes so <laughs> it's like no man's sky it's a little obtuse but yeah i know i'm late to the party but uh i enjoy all the updates they put out like living spaceship and then they got uh the mech and wh what else are they gonna introduce who knows and finally, moving on to The Witcher 3, uh, I started a new area. So what I do is I literally clear all of the side missions first before I proceed with the main story quest at all. So I have to do all the side quests first. And uh, I ran into a really high level encounter. They're like level 16 Nilfgaardian defectors guarding like a prisoner. And I was like level 3 or 4, so I got killed a lot. But then what I did was I kited one of them away at a time. And then I would shoot them with a crossbow. And I would encounter them, I would engage them at max range. So that uh, they would run towards me. Because I would pull aggro. And then they would run away. Because once they walked away far enough from their point of origin, they would return to it. Because there's a range that they have to stick by. And because they're guarding that camp. 
And then I would keep shooting them, and eventually it would re-aggro them. So then they would run back and forth to me. And it's hilarious, but it took 10 minutes to kill one dude. And there were five of them. There were three guys with swords, and then two guys with bows. So that took like 50 minutes. Uh, but it was worth it, because I got a key. And then I freed a blacksmith. And he literally walked back to his village from that prison camp. And the village was kind of far away too. So once he walked back, he went back to work on his forge. And I saw this in real time. So I was like, man, The Witcher 3 has an amazing amount of detail in the game. And it still looks great. It still sounds great. It still plays and feels great. Man, yeah, still an incredible game. Um, I think the combat system is a little bit... It's simpler than it looks, but I enjoy it. But other than that, like, man, I can't wait for Cyberpunk, man. I can't wait. Like, the that attention, the detail, the characters, the graphics, the narrative, the overall size of the world. The gameplay mechanics, I'm, I think, are going to be solid. People are hyping up Cyberpunk to be, like, the next revolution in gaming. I think it's just going to be a very solid game, like the Witcher series. My expectations are realistic. I think it's going to look great. I think it's going to sound great. I think it's going to have incredible characters, incredible narrative, a very immersive world, and very solid gameplay mechanics, but nothing new or exciting. So that's what I'm excited for. Like just an immersive world I can go into and just live in for a little bit and, you know, enjoy it. To be distracted a little bit from the real world. Sometimes that's what you need. Okay, moving on to new games. Okay, guys, this is gonna this is gonna be painful for me. I have twenty games to cover because I didn't release an episode, uh, a podcast episode since March. So that means I have to cover all twenty games in April. I'm gonna go through this as quickly as I can while doing the games justice. So this episode is probably going to be a little bit longer than usual, so hopefully you'll bear with me. I'll have timestamps so that you can skip ahead or you know go to a certain game if you want. Okay, here we go guys, here, here we go. For our first game, we have Conglomerate 451. It was developed by Runeheads. It was published by 1C Entertainment. It was released on February 20th, 2020, I believe, into early access, and now it's available for $19.99. So, Conglomerate 451 is basically a dungeon crawler. It's very similar to Etrian Odyssey, uh, those type of games on the DS, and Legend of Grimrock, and it has the same vibes as the older Might and Magic games. I played Might and Magic, I think, 6 and 7 a while back. It kind of reminded me of those games. It's those games where you can only walk forward and you can turn around. And it's like a corridor you're walking through. And you're mapping out the dungeon and you have like a team of three people. And they're attacking but you don't really see them attack. It's more like you see their attacks go out. And yeah, it's that type of game. It's very solid. Uh, I think it's very complex and there's a lot of freedom in how you can engage the enemies 
it's a little bit overwhelming in the number of options that you can tweak. Uh, there's so many things you can upgrade, passive, active abilities, equipment, all of that. Uh, you can unlock DNA mutations so that when you clone new soldiers, you can modify attributes like increase attack by 20, etc. And there's just so many abilities that you can mix together and combo against enemies that it's a little bit insane. Like, there are androids, cyborgs, and humans, and then certain attacks will affect certain enemies with more damage, right? And then you can attack the leg to slow movement, attack the arm to reduce damage. There's a lot of things you can do, a lot of ways to play the game. And I honestly had some fun with it. It's a cyberpunk setting. I think they nailed the aesthetic, the atmosphere, the soundtrack is amazing. And yeah, that's pretty much all I can say about it. Although the negative thing, one negative thing about the game is that you have a robot drone buddy and the voice acting for that is a little bit cringy. Uh, the voice, it's not necessarily the voice acting itself. It's more like the dialogue that they have for that drone is incredibly cringy. It's very sarcastic, but it doesn't come off as endearing. Like, I don't feel more attached to the character. I just feel annoyed. I just feel annoyed because I want to play the game and I hear this really obnoxious dialogue coming in from the background and you're like, ah, really? <laughs> but the good news is you can mute it. So if you don't like it, you can completely turn it off. But yeah, uh, honestly, probably... Not for everyone, Conglomerate 451, like these type of games, like Etrian Odyssey, Legend of Grimrock, it's not going to be for everyone. Uh, you might want to try it out, and uh, yeah, but if you like these type of games, Conglomerate is a pretty solid entry into the series, I mean into the genre, and it might be worth checking out. But yeah, I have video footage of all of these games up, that's right, I have blog articles, with pictures in it, you know, I have all of these up, they're all linked in my channel, if you want to check it out, if you're interested, you want to see what it's like, please feel free to look it up on my channel. That was Conglomerate 451, moving on to the next game, game number two, we got Green Hell, developed and published by Creepy Jar, it was released on September 5th, 2020, and it's out now on Steam with the MSRP of $24.99. They recently updated the game to include co-op, and it'll be coming to consoles soon, and also, obviously, it'll have achievements, so look forward to that. The game is always being updated. Uh, it's a survival crafting game, and I really like this game. I think the single-player mission is one of the best that I've played in any survival crafting game uh, that I've ever played, period. So I think the single-player has a story. You play as a character. And you're in the Amazon, you're doing something, uh, something happens, you get a little bit of amnesia, you're searching for your wife, etc. And it's such a good story. At least for me, it drew me in because I love mysteries. I need to know what happened. And the voice acting is fantastic as well. I thought it was Nolan North, but apparently it's some guy named Brandon Fake. Uh... Whoever you are, you did a fantastic job. Whoever played the wife too, fantastic job. I really liked the voice acting. It brought the characters to life. Sometimes it was a little bit 
cheesy, you know, like, but you need some cheese in your life sometimes, unless you're lactose intolerant, in which case, don't eat cheese. <laughs> but yeah, uh, standard survival crafting fair. The crafting is pretty decent. They keep adding more things that you can build. You know, recently they added the mud update, so you can build mud buildings now out of mud from the river. I think one standout thing about this game is the injury system. So the injury system is unique in that, you know, your different body parts can get injured. You can get cuts, you can get leeches, you can get uh, infested with parasites, you can get an infected wound, and basically what you do is you hold up your body part like your arm, and you like turn it around to see where it's injured, find out what it is, and then apply uh, the remedy. And this is pretty neat in that it's not tedious, because if you play the game correctly, it's going to be very rare for you to have to heal yourself. Um, if you play sloppy and you get injured, then obviously you're going to have to find some bandages or whatnot. But yeah, I really like that because it's an, another element to managing meters, basically. It's not a meter itself, but if you don't heal yourself, you will eventually die. So you got hunger, thirst, all of that. Um, and now you got injuries to add on top of that. So I like that. I like that. It feels like you're really trying to survive out there. On top of that, again, this wonderful single player. It's going to last around 10 hours. I got lost a lot, so it's honestly more like 15 hours. But yeah, they keep adding stuff to it. There's co-op now. Um, it's going to come to consoles. Green Hell. You guys, if you love survival crafting, definitely check this game out. I had a blast playing it. There's some things in the single player mission where it's like a little bit obtuse as like as to where you're supposed to go next. But yeah, I will look up a guide. You know what? I can make a guide. <laughs> there you have it. Green Hell. All right. Our third game, The Escaper, developed and published by Nocturnal Works. It was released on March 9, 2020. It's out now with an MSRP of $3.99. So the escaper, if you can guess, is an escape room game. So if you never played an escape room game, it is literally that. You're stuck in a room and you're trying to get out. So I played these back in the day when they were made out of Flash and you had to play it on a Japanese website because that's where the best uh, escape room games are coming from. They're notoriously difficult and like mind-bending, some of the puzzles. And then when they came to real life, I was so happy because I love escape rooms. I want to escape out of a room in real life, you know. As soon as they play this game, I'm like, I want to do this in real life. And guess what? You can now. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're all closed thanks to the coronavirus. That makes me quite sad. But yeah, hopefully you guys can check one out soon. Definitely worth checking out. But yeah, The Escaper is an incredibly well-made game. All the puzzles can be solved logically. Uh, there are two that I had difficulty with. One was placing a box on the ground and then looking through a window to find the right order of things. I'm not I'm not spoiling anything here too much. But um, I didn't notice that you're supposed to put the box on the ground. But the ground has markings to indicate that something was there. So everything can be solved logically from looking at the game. I really hate it when you have to look at a puzzle and guess. Or like there are no logical steps connecting one piece to the next. 
It's just like you're, you're clicking on stuff randomly. Uh, you're trying to figure out, just mash everything and make something happen. I hate that. It has to be logically possible to come up with a solution. And most of them are. The second one that I had a problem with was you have to play notes on a xylophone. And if you're tone deaf, if you're not musically gifted, it might be a little bit difficult, but it's still logically possible in that you can determine a pattern by the change in pitch. The only thing is you don't know the number of notes uh, in between each note. But the thing is the set, uh, set number of notes, they're very small. So you can guess what the space in between the notes are. It can be zero, it could be one, it could be, I think, two. But beyond that, you can't go further. So the number of possible combinations that you need to figure out, very small. So it's very doable, yeah. Highly recommend this game if you like escape room games. There are four rooms. Each of them take around an hour to beat. It's a lovely time. Highly recommend it. I think anyone can have fun with this. It's really great if people get super angry when they can't solve anything. Like that happened to me when I was streaming this game because I was really tired. But I was like getting so frustrated that I couldn't solve something. And I was clearly doing it wrong, uh, but I was too tilted. So yeah, fun times, fun times. All right, that was game number three, The Escaper. Now on to game number four, Hyper Parasite. Hyper Parasite was developed by Troglobite Games. It was published by Houndpick Games as well as Troglobite. And it was released on April 3rd, 2020 with an MSRP of $17.99. I believe this game is out on consoles as well. Hyper Parasite is basically a twin-stick shooter, top-down twin-stick shooter, set in a cyberpunk uh, aesthetic. So everything's cyberpunk now. It's literally, a lot of games are cyberpunk, thanks to Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> it's affecting the games industry without even having come out yet. Incredible. But yeah, um, pretty solid. You basically play an alien who is a parasite. And you infect the people around you to take control of them. And depending on which unit you take over, you have different attack abilities. So that's pretty much the main gimmick of the game. And then as you progress, you uh, unlock more hosts, more hosts you can infect. And that'll make the game easier. So I think it's pretty well made. feels pretty smooth. Um, pretty difficult. I had trouble beating the boss. It's a little... It's like a rogue light in that when you die, you gotta start over again, but there are like overall upgrades that you can carry with you, so not everything is lost. All right, that was Hyper Parasite. Moving on to game number five in Other Waters. So, in Other Waters was developed by Jump Over the Age, it was published by Fellow Traveler, and it was released on April 3rd, 2020. With the MSRP of $14.99. In Other Waters is... It's really hard to explain. It's a 2D exploration game. There's really no combat. You're not controlling a character. You're kind of an AI in a suit. In a diving suit. Helping the main protagonist navigate through waters. And figure out what happened. Because she's looking for her partner who disappeared. There's like a whole mystery, a conspiracy, like an uncharted planet. And everything is kind of shown abstractly through the map. 
So it's kind of like you're looking at the data of the character moving through the ocean floor. Uh, yeah, it's kind of calming. It's very relaxing. There's like no pressure. Uh, if you run out of oxygen or power, you can simply go back to your base. You call a drone in, it just picks you back up. And you're taking research samples and all of that. And it's done all abstractly through like a representation of the map and movement on the map. So very calming, uh, pretty interesting. I think In Other Waters is pretty interesting in that it explores different gameplay loops. Uh, it abstracts it a little bit. You know, you don't have to have games where you're just shooting things in the face over and over again, where everything is voice acted and, you know, there's cutscenes like movies. You know, I'm, I'm happy that other games are willing to experiment. That doesn't mean it's for everyone. Obviously, it's not. But for those of you who might be interested in this type of game, I highly recommend it. It's pretty unique. All right, that was In Other Waters. Now, moving on to game number six. Agents Biohunters, developed and published by Playstark. It was released on April 7th, 2020, and it's a free-to-play game. came out on consoles as well as PC. Oh, this one, this one is a little bit rough. So the game came out. Uh, I was in the closed beta. I didn't get to make a video of it because I really don't like it when betas are like two to three days and I don't have a lot of time sometimes so I'm playing on the last day and I completely forget that that's the cutoff and then it's closed after that so then I can't play a record anymore but uh, I did play and I was like oh you know what this game is pretty okay uh, they have a couple months and when they release it into early access it should be better and then what happened was when they released it uh, there were six characters in the closed beta all of them were available and then when they released it, there were only three available out of the six. They locked the other three behind like a in-game battle pass that was free. You can get the characters for free, but you just had to play the game. But that kind of sucked because it's a multiplayer game. It's a three-on-three -three monster hunting game. Uh, so you and two other people are playing against three other people and you're cleaning out monsters from the map. And there are like certain areas where you have to contest it after killing a certain amount of uh, monsters. And then when you when you contest it and you win, uh, you get a point. When you get three points, you can go into the main arena and kill the giant monster there. It's a gigantic creature. You have to attack its different body parts and kill three of it. So they got the head, arms, legs, and back and tail, I think. And each body part has armor on it, so you can kill it twice if you want. And the first team to kill three body parts wins. The problem is, first of all, you can't really find a match that easily. Matchmaking was broken from the get-go. And then when you did get into a match, some people might either leave or disconnect. I wasn't sure which it was. There are a lot of games where it's just me versus three other people. And that kind of sucks. There's no way you're going to win. So that was an issue, and then you couldn't like invite friends into a party, into a lobby, and they match make together. You had to queue at the same time and hope you were on the same team. So that's very crappy as well. Not only that, on top of that, again, going back to what I mentioned before, there are six characters available in the beta, but after it was released, there's only three. So there's three classes, DPS, tank, and support. 
and there's one in each class, and that was it. So that limits the amount of playstyles you can do when you're playing the game. It gets very stale very fast. So a lot of people reacted negatively because they saw this, and then they saw that they were charging for premium currency to unlock skins and stuff, and they left a ton of negative reviews. So while the game was rough, I did see some promise in it. And the most important thing for me is that what you want to do is when you see a game, there's a lot of content creators that got this game early too, and they're just bashing on it for no reason. But uh, when you see a game that has some flaws, you want to give critical feedback so that they can take it and improve the game. They don't necessarily have to take it because I'm sure that they're working on improving the game right now. They close it down so that they can fix the game and relaunch it again. But they're going to have a rough time because all the reviews, most of them are extremely negative on Steam. And when a game has negative reviews, people don't want to check it out. Because they're just going to look at it and be like, oh, negative reviews must be bad. Instead of playing the game and forming their own opinion. So when people do that, it creates a situation where the developers don't really have an opportunity to improve the game. It's very difficult. Like Hello Games, the fact that they came back at all is a miracle. It's amazing. But for a smaller company like this, I mean, Hello Games is small too, but like Agents, Biohunters, uh, it might be dead now because of all the negative reviews. But yeah, my approach is I think you should be critical with the game. You should always be honest with it. There are flaws. If there are things you don't like, it should be clear because there could be things that you don't like that are actually good. It's just not, you know, things that you like it's your preference not you know some game breaking bug so you got to be able to differentiate that when you're covering games so for this game it was definitely limited it was definitely rough but it wasn't worth leaving a negative review because it's early access you know you you're, you can give them critical feedback and hope that they improve the game so uh it's definitely wasn't a rough place but because of all the negative reviews, uh, I don't think it's going to have a lot of people who want to check it out when they relaunch. Um, but yeah, I'm just saying this because I think there are people who are going to like this game. And if it got the proper support and development, then it's going to turn into a pretty fun game. So play Stark. I hope you guys keep doing your best and hope you don't give up. And hopefully people will give your game a shot again. But yeah. Definitely rough at launch, but, uh, you know, so was No Man's Sky. <laughs> Alright, moving on. That was Agents Biohunters. Moving on to game number seven. A pattern by Galen Drew, Michael Bell, Badru, and Icewater Games was the publisher. It was released on April 7th, 2020 with the MSRP of $14.99. So it's kind of funny that there's no like developer name. It's just three people. It's Galen Drew, who is the main designer and programmer. You got Michael Bell, who did the music. And then Badru. I don't know if it's Badru or like Badru. Either way, uh, second programmer. It was basically a game about game development. It's a walking simulator. So if you like walking simulators, you might want to check this one out. This one is more freeform you're kind of exploring different environments and you have a camera so you can take pictures from different angles it's a very relaxing kind of situation kind of environment 
And then as you go through the levels, you go to the next level by finding a fireplace, you see a smoke signal, and then you follow that. And then once you touch it, you wake up into the next level. And then once you go through, you end up at the very beginning. And you're like, what is this? Do I play this again? And then once you go out from there again, you start noticing some differences. And I don't want to spoil it. But basically, it kind of changes the game a little bit. And it's like a, a walkthrough of the developer's mindset and experiences as he was developing the game. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It's very artistic. It's more like high concept than actual gameplay. But it does a pretty good job of representing the feelings and experiences this person had while developing the game. I think it's a good reflection of that. Um, like you see, you see that reflected onto the game itself. So again, not probably not for everyone. But if that sounds interesting to you, it might be worth checking out. Okay, that was Pattern. Alright, moving on to game number 8. Crew 167, The Grand Block Odyssey. It was developed and published by Oddbreeze. It was released on April 8, 2020 with an MSRP of $17.99. It's a puzzle game where you move around blocks. Uh, you can only move the blocks in one direction and they slide until they stop. It's that type of game, so there are a lot of mobile games and puzzle games out there kind of like this, and I love those. And this is a very solid puzzle game. The only thing is it, it's wrapped around this sci-fi narrative where the guy is hallucinating and dealing with depression and all of that. And I felt like the voice acting was not up to par. Uh, and the presentation of the narrative wasn't really up to par. It felt a little awkward. And uh, like the composition and framing and the animations were underwhelming. So I felt like it undermined the general narrative that I was trying to tell because it, it was pretty good. I felt like it would have been better if they had just dialogue on the screen and you read it and with some, you know, a backdrop of a picture or something. Uh, that said, other people liked it, but I'm just mentioning this because, you know, if you play this game and you're off put by all of this, they're like, why didn't anyone tell me? So I'm letting you guys know. Uh, that said, uh, the puzzle itself is great. And it was kind of awkward because I was critiquing the narrative elements of the game because I love doing that kind of stuff because, uh, you know, I love movies, I love TV shows, I have podcasts on both. And I was breaking it down and then this dude came onto my stream, I was on stream, and he started talking to me. It turns out he's the developer. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. I was like, hey, hey, I, I like the puzzle elements of the game. And these are just my personal opinions. I don't expect you to take that and change the game. It's just how I feel about it. Uh, you don't need to listen to all the criticism out there. It just puts you in a negative headspace, etc. But he was good about it. He was a good sport. And, uh, you know, he was actively seeking out criticism for his game. And that's something that a lot of people, myself included, don't want to do. I don't want to be criticized, you know, like, it will affect our ego. More More than that, it's like, whatever we work on, that's our baby. That We put our blood, sweat, and tears into it. The last thing we want to hear is that it's bad, right? Again, I'm not saying the game is bad, but that's what you might perceive from um, critical comments that are trying to point out some things that could be better. And I was like, oh. 
yeah, I should probably keep in mind that, you know, the developer may see this. Uh, you know, I'm a small content creator, so like, I'm like, I don't, I don't think anyone cares about me, but this dude uh, came onto my stream and uh, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, hey, hey, I'm not saying your game is bad. I'm saying the puzzles are great, but yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. It was a funny encounter. That's why I love streaming. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. All right, let's crew 167, the Grand Black Odyssey. I think it's definitely worth checking out if you like puzzle games. And uh, definitely, if you like things that are unintentionally funny, there's some scenes in there where it's trying to be serious, but it came off as a little bit funny. Maybe I have a twisted sense of humor. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Moving on to our next game, game number nine, Ancient Enemy by Gray Alien Games. It was released on April 9th, 2020, and it's out now with an MSRP of $14.99. Ancient Enemy is basically solitaire. Now, it's very reminiscent of a game I played on the DS. I think it was Puzzle Quest something something. I'll put the game up on screen here. Magic uh, afterwards. But yeah, that was a great game. I had good memories with that game. It came out of nowhere. And this game has the same vibes. It's a puzzle game. It's basically solitaire with the twist. But it's back with RPG elements. And uh, the gameplay is incredibly simple. But it's incredibly intuitive. And you understand the game right away. If you play Solitaire, similar rules. And when you look at the cards, you kind of see the way that the developer wants you to solve it. It's not completely random. I believe it's pseudo-random. Because it does form patterns for you. And when you see that, and you can make a really long combo, it's so satisfying. It's incredibly satisfying. Also, uh, they do have a story. It's pretty serious, but I think they played it smart by just having dialogue and still images, and there's no animation, there's no voice acting. I think that's the way to go. Less is more sometimes for a lot of indie devs. I think that's a lesson that they can learn. Because um, when you do voice acting, when you do animated cutscenes, they have to be done well. So one way to get out of that is just to not have voice acting and just have still images. You can do a lot with that. Incredibly satisfying when you do a combo. I'm in the process of trying to get all the achievements. The hardest one I think is playing on the hardest difficulty. We'll see if I can make it. Um, but yeah, it's, very, it's a very interesting combat system. You should check out my preview video. I don't want to get too in-depth into it because this podcast is going to take forever then. But yeah, <laughs> there you have it, uh, Ancient Enemy. Also, this was a situation also where the developer uh, contacted me on YouTube. They're like, thank you for covering the game. And I was like, holy cow, the developer actually contacted me. And I'm like a nobody. So I am grateful that, first of all, so well, either you or someone you know approved the key request for these games. And then the fact that you're looking actively looking for coverage of your game even if it's criticism so that's amazing that's great to see i hope you guys stay positive and keep developing games okay moving on to game 10 receiver 2 it was developed and published by wolf fire games it was released on april 14 2020 it's out now with the msrp of 1999 
So receiver two is basically a rehash of receiver one, which apparently was in the seven days to program an FPS game jam. And I think that's crazy that they build the game in seven days. Anyways, it's a first person gun simulator. So its gimmick is that it has a more realistic simulation of the handling and shooting of guns. And I think it does. It sounds great. It feels great. It looks great. And how they do it is basically when you reload a gun, so you start out with a revolver, you have to pull the barrel out, then you have to put eject all the casings, you have to put each bullet in individually, close the barrel, and then you can use the gun again. You can manually pull the hammer back, and all of that nonsense. Sometimes the gun will jam, sometimes if you leave the hammer pulled back and you're just waving the gun around, it might go off. So I think it kind of promotes a more realistic uh, approach to guns and it tries to promote more knowledge about guns and gun safety. Uh, the only problem is I think it does it in a little bit of a ham-fisted manner. Um, like a little bit of a condescending tone, if you ask me, if I'm being honest. Maybe, you know, I'm reading too much into it, but I believe that I felt that way when I heard some of the con uh, comments where the narrator is like, oh, Hollywood puts guns like this, and this is how they display guns, but in reality, guns are like this. And I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> I don't have to own a gun to know that kind of stuff. So um, it felt a little condescending, to be honest. Uh, other than that, I think the gameplay is pretty interesting. It's like a rogue light in that you have to go through and collect cassette tapes. There's a certain number of cassette tapes to collect per level, and there are five levels. And if you collect all of them, you can go to the next level. However, if you die, you have to do it all over again. You start all over. So it's much. It's very much like a roguelite. Uh, you don't start all over from the first level. You just start over from the previous level. I mean, you start over in the level that you're playing. So... It's pretty interesting, like the story is pretty interesting as well, like there's an entity known as the threat, and the threat executes an attack on mankind called the mind kill, and it wipes out most of humanity for some reason, except for the receivers who knew the threat was coming and the mind kill was coming as well, and they got ready mentally and physically, and then they were rendered in like a comatose state. So you're looking around in this dreamlike state for the cassette tapes that represent the teachings of the receivers. And as you collect it, you gain the knowledge to awaken yourself. You become woke. So I feel like overall the way the story is displayed is pretty interesting. You collect floppy diskets, you collect the cassettes, and then it gives you the teachings and it gives you little tidbits, little extra characters, background knowledge. And I find it very interesting, but I believe some of it, it's a little pretentious and a little bit condescending. This is just little bits and pieces there, here and there. Other than that, I, I think the story is so interesting that it would make an excellent TV show. Like, it would make for a really good mystery drama set in the future, like post-apocalyptic world where, you know, a guy wakes up and he doesn't know what's going on. And he's trying to figure out, he like he forgot stuff and he's trying to figure out what happened, you know. And then you find out about the threat and the mind kill and all of that, if it's real or not. And then you're trying to figure out, you know. Anyways, 
Uh, I think there's a lot of potential here, uh, guys. Wolfire Games, I think you should definitely try to write a script, write a script treatment, and get that show out there, man. I would love to see this game as a TV show. But yeah, uh, in terms of the actual gameplay, it's like a roguelite, and the shooting is very hectic in that one bullet can kill you. So you want to play it super safe. And not only that, ammo is hard to come by in the later levels, so you want to be very careful with how you engage the fights because you can die in one shot, and if you miss your shots, you can run out of ammo, and that's going to make it very hard for you. So uh, other than that, I think uh, it's pretty cool. A couple things, though. It does tackle uh, kind of, you know, mental health again. There are are scenes where it represents the character struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts, and the gun will literally turn around, point back at you, and kill you if you don't empty it quickly. So I think that's kind of undermines the the thematic element. Like, you know, mental health issues are real and they're important to deal with, and kind of putting it in there as sort of like a game gimmick where... You know, it doesn't represent the seriousness of, of it. And, um, you know, like it there's no message about it. Like, what are you trying to say about mental health? And, yeah, it felt a little, little I don't know. It kind of undermines what you're trying to do there. So, I'm glad games are adding more serious issues into their narrative and the gameplay. I think it should always be done, even if it is done poorly sometimes. Because the more you do it, the better... That developers will get at kind of handling that and while games are useful as a form of entertainment and as a way of escape i think it's good that some games kind of bring to the forefront some serious issues whatever it is that the developer wants to tackle again it doesn't always have to be mental health i don't know why that is always at the forefront now it's like a fad um I hope if people tackle it, that they do it in a sincere manner. Like, it has to be done well so that it adds something to the discussion. Anyways, other than that, again, pretty solid game. Uh, might be worth checking out. That was Receiver 2 by Wolfire Games. Alright, moving on to game number 11. Holy cow. Billion Road by Bandai Namco Entertainment. And it was published by Actel LLC. And it's released on April 16, 2020 to Steam and Switch with an MSRP of $39.99. Billion Road. Billion Road is basically Mario Party combined with Monopoly combined with Pokemon. It's a board game like Mario Party. It's a party board game. So it focuses on screwing over everyone else that you're playing against. It can get really frustrating. So it's basically Monopoly in that you're going around a board that represents Japan and you're buying up properties. You're basically investing in properties to get a return and be the first person to be a billionaire. That's why it's called Billion Road. And not only that, as you're going through the board, you collect monsters for some reason. And the monsters uh, give you benefits that either help you or screw over other people. So... Some abilities are really mean, like you can steal items from people. Anyways, after you reach the destination, there's a goal. Like the goal city that you're trying to get to, you have to roll the exact number to land on that city. The first person to sit, uh, get there 
will end that turn and then a new location will be picked and everyone has to go to that location. But the funny thing is, the first person to get there will get a super rare follower. So you get like the happy egg, which will, you know, give you a monster egg, which you can hatch a monster from if you want, or it'll duplicate an item in your inventory, etc. Or, or recharge a monster so that they, they can reuse their abilities. But there's also a bad monster, a bad follower that gets attached to the person who is the farthest away from the city. And the most funny one is called Dead Kid. So Dead Kid basically just makes you lose money. It makes you hemorrhage money. So imagine you're in last place. There's this dude. And every time he shows up, there's like a black aura around him. And the music turns real ominous. And you lose money or he'll make you sell a property at a discount price. And it's just you just keep losing money. And it's hilarious. It's very frustrating if you're the one with that character. With the follower, but it's hilarious if you don't have it. So, uh, the game will ruin friendships, guarantee it. But yeah, it's family friendly. You can play a local co-op. Um, I think it's pretty. It's pretty fun. I think the price might be a tad high uh, at MSRP, but if it goes on sale, definitely worth checking out. It's the first time I've seen like a Mario Party esque game on PC. That's pretty enjoyable. Also, it's very quirky. It's very Japanese. They kind of embrace the weirdness, the quirkiness, the kookiness of, you know, video gaming in Japan. And yeah, it's a kind of a lovely experience. I had a smile when I was playing it the entire time. Also, I was incredibly angry when I was last because it's really hard to come back when you're doing one-on-one. <laughs> so I recommend playing with more than two people. Probably four is an optimal amount, four or more. But yeah, um, there you have it, Billion Road. All right, our next game is A Fold Apart, game number 12, A Fold Apart, developed and published by Lightning Rod Games. It was released on April 16, 2020 with the MSRP of 1999. Uh, Fold Apart is basically a 2D puzzle game. It revolves around folding the level like a piece of paper so that you can go past obstacles. It gets pretty mind-boggling later when it adds diagonal folds. I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty neat. The art style and the animations are well done. I think the level design is well done as well. And it revolves around a couple where one moved away to the city to work on a, a gig, they're an architect, and the other person stayed behind in the country because I believe they're a teacher. And it kind of represents the hardships of having a long-distance relationship. And it's incredibly full of drama. It's so dramatic. Um, <laughs> I likened it to a K-drama. So, yeah... Uh, it's also very wholesome. It's one of the most wholesome games I've seen in a long time. Some people might think it's a little too much drama, but I think it's pretty realistic in that it represents the feelings and emotions and thoughts you have in the span of like a couple of seconds, except they, you know, it's internal too, so you don't really hear it or you don't really think about it. It just happens rather quickly. But instead, I think they display it pretty accurately and they extrapolate all of that they kind of externalize it and make it concrete so uh i don't know if it's made up but i feel like it's a real story or very similar to someone's personal story because they're a 
lot of like detail in there, you know. I feel like it happened to someone. But yeah, uh a full the part. Very touching, very wholesome, very dramatic puzzle game. Well made. I think I beat it in about three to four hours. It's pretty sh- on the short side. But again, it's well made and worth checking out if you like puzzle games or if you want to see something very wholesome and very dramatic at the same time. Alright, that was a fall apart. Moving on to game 13, Fort Triumph. So Fort Triumph was developed by Cookie by Entertainment. It was published by All In Games and was released onto Steam on April 16, 2020 with an MSRP of 24.99. So Fort Triumph is basically a turn-based strategy game. It's a pretty darn good one too. It's very solid. You're going to see all the elements of turn-based strategy that you're used to. You see action points. You see Overwatch. You always have Overwatch in these turn-based strategy games. Overwatch is basically someone who's staying in position. And if someone walks into their line of sight, they can attack them. The one new thing, though, I think it sets this game apart from everything else, is the new like pick mechanic. There's a physical interaction with the environment and enemies. Or you can pick them up, or you can kick things over. Uh, the archer has a grappling hook move. And what you can do with this is you can kick enemies out of cover into someone's overwatch line of sight, and then they get attacked. Or basically, you can kick a tree over and it will kill the goblin hiding behind it. Or you can kick an enemy into another enemy, which will then knock itself into a tree and the tree will fall over them. There's a lot of ways that you can use this physical interaction with objects and create a chain reaction of chaos so it kind of reminded me of Disgaea a little bit uh, I love Disgaea but yeah there's a lot you can do with it and honestly it adds like a fresh mechanic to the game it kind of freshens up the turn-based strategy gameplay loop quite a bit and on top of that is this very witty dialogue the dialogue is incredibly well written it's a little bit parody, it's a little bit satire, it's all tongue-in-cheek, and it's, you know it's well-written because when you read it, there's no voice acting, uh, you know exactly how the characters sound, because uh, it's, they nail the character. The character is shown through the dialogue. I don't know how they did it, but you, you know exactly how they sound, so. It's very smart, it's very witty. And very humorous. And on top of that, on top of there's more. But wait, there's more. Uh, when you are traveling in the overworld, uh, out of the combat phase, it's like Heroes of Mind and Magic. Like 1 and 2. One of my favorite games of all time. Heroes of Mind and Magic. Uh, it has the same feel and look and sound and animations. And it brought back a lot of good memories of me playing that game as a child. On one of my first PCs that my parents had bought. It was a Windows 98 machine. And it it didn't work well, but I could play games on it. So that's all I cared about. But yeah, oh. The good old days. (laughs) Anyways, that was Fort Triumph. Uh, Definitely worth checking out. There's a lot of turn-based strategy games coming out. Uh, So if you're a turn-based strategy fan, I mean, there's XCOM... uh, chimera squad came out as well like holy cow dude anyways worth checking out that was fort triumph 
And now on to our next game, game 14, The Shattering, developed by Super Sexy Software, published by Deck 13, and was released on April 21st, 2020 with an MSRP of $19.99. So The Shattering is a walking simulator that's similar to uh, Gone Home and What Remains of Edith Finch. It deals with, again, mental health issues and dealing with trauma more specifically and the process of getting over that trauma, like learning to accept it. Uh, you play a character who woke up in a hospital and you're getting treated by a psychiatrist and you have amnesia. So you're trying to figure out what happened. He seemed to be in an accident and you're trying to figure out what happened leading up to that event. And I don't want to ruin a lot of things but not everything is as it seems and yeah you go through his entire life and it's pr it's a pretty sad life so i think there are going to be people who love this game like i wasn't the biggest fan of the walking simulator series like genres like those type of games i'm not the biggest fan but the story pulled me enough like the story pulled me enough where you know, I wanted to know what happened. Uh, a couple things. It's it's a little bit... It ha does have some creepy vibes at times. I wouldn't necessarily call it horror. It's more like um, psychological. A little bit of a, a thriller maybe. Uh, but yeah. A couple issues I had though. There was a the, the person portraying the doctor, the psychiatrist. I felt like the dialogue was not reflective of an uh, actual person who was a trained psychologist, a psychiatrist. Uh, there are some lines where, you know, it starts off with saying, why can't you remember her name? So that's like the intro, like, oh, this guy has amnesia. Oh, there's a girl involved. Who is it? Why can't you remember the name? And like, you know, if you're dealing with someone who had trauma you don't want to say stuff or put them in a position where they feel very unsafe, right? Out of control, uh, not secure. That's the opposite of what you want to do as a healthcare provider to someone who's dealing with trauma. So when I was playing this game, I got a little ticked off because that's not how you. T that's not how you, you know. If I was the patient, that's not how I would want to be treated. I would. I would be like, well. I mean, what what do you want me to do? I can't remember, you know? It's, you're not helping me here. Again, some of the dialogue too was a little bit hand-fisted. It's very hard to deal with these heavier subject matters and topics with finesse. It's very hard to do it well. Uh, but I think this game came pretty close. It came pretty close to doing it. I think it's a good representation. Again, if you just generalize it, the specifics, I feel like, they felt short in some areas, but overall, it's the process of, you know, figuring out, going through trauma, accepting it, and moving on. Um, yeah. That said, uh, the reason why I couldn't really connect with the character is that there was a scene where he's getting bullied, and he just takes it. For me, I don't care if I lose, if I'm gonna have to go down i'm gonna go down with the fight i'm gonna make sure that i at least try you know i don't want to just sit there and go down i want to try my best to take you down with me man 
So when I saw that, I was like, ah, oh, this this is not me. This is someone else. So again, I I understand because like if someone went through the same thing and they they feel and think the same things, then they're gonna resonate with the character. But for me, I couldn't resonate with the character as much because I would do something completely different, and you know. But still, it kind of was an interesting look into someone else's possible life, you know, life experiences. So that was kind of eye-opening for me. But yeah, I couldn't really relate on a personal level. Uh, that said, I'm glad that games like this exist. Once again, I, I like games branching out, uh, dealing with more serious subject matters. At least an attempt was made, right? If more games do this, again, sooner or later... It's going to get better, and you're going to see a lot more games covering a lot more themes. It's not just about distracting you and having fun or being a dopamine drip or a treadmill where you're trying to go somewhere but not really doing anything important, and they're trying to squeeze money out of you. So, I appreciate it. Yeah, that was the shattering. Uh, If you like walking sims, if you like psychological games, if you like games that are a a little bit creepy... This might be the one for you. Again, it's not scary. Uh, It's not a horror game, but it does have a little bit of horror elements. It's a little bit here and there. You can take my word for it because I am the biggest coward when it comes to scary things. I will not watch scary movies and I will not play scary games. Uh, I played Amnesia, A Machine for Pigs, and I didn't want to play any more horror games after that. So... (laughs) There you have it, folks. If I can play The Shattering, you can play it as well. All right, moving on to game 15. Let's learn Korean vocabulary by Dr. Cyril Splutterworth, released on April 26, 2020, with an MSRP of $5.99. So, this is basically a flashcard game for learning Korean vocabulary. If you're wondering why I covered it, it's because I am Korean American. And I'm always interested in all things Korean. I consider myself more American than Korean at this point. But, you know, I want to learn more Korean. I want to get more fluent. I want to learn more about the culture. I want to visit my motherland, you know. I want to see what Korean people uh, live like, what they eat, how they think. Um, I'm interested. Uh, But yeah, so when I play this game... I don't think it's very helpful for someone who wants to learn Korean to the point where they can talk to another Korean person or they can go visit Korea and have enough uh, words learned so they can communicate effectively. And the reason why I say this is there are a lot of words there where it doesn't come up in Korean conversation, like cake, you know? And also, it's the... It's an English word transliterated into Korean, like cake, like keiku, you know, like whatever it was, like <laughs> like milkshake? Really? Milkshake? I don't see Korean people eating milkshakes all the time, dude. Like, what the heck? Hamburger? Like, what? You can just say those words in English. They'll understand, right? So, um, that's why I felt like it was a little weird. I think the purpose was to introduce these English words that are used in Korean to help you get used to the pronunciation. Because then, you know, you can slowly transition by learning out, like figuring out the differences, like literally sounding it out and learning how different words are pronounced 
like the main consonants and vowel sounds of the Korean language. So, like, in, from that perspective, I understand. But for actually providing value and learning words where you can talk to another person, like, hold a basic conversation, it doesn't cover enough of the important words that come up in conversations. Uh, that said, I think it's a good starting place. If you have never spoken Korean before, it'll probably get you used to it a little bit. I think it's more handy for kids because uh, it has a lot of these games. Like you get points for doing all the exercises correctly, and then you can redeem them for games and like listen to music. It's very outdated, I feel like, and very hacky. I don't think it's worth playing. But it might be suitable for a child. A child with no standards. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think honestly you're better off probably listening to Korean music and watching a lot of K-dramas. And you'll probably be immersed in the language a lot faster. Again, like Korean music and K-dramas don't necessarily use what in the Korean that you would use in like a real conversation with a real person, obviously it's dramatized, but it's going to give you a better idea than, you know, using this game alone. I think this game is okay as an add-on, you know, to get your feet wet, sort of, but definitely did not do what I expected it to do. All right, that's Let's Learn Korean Vocabulary. Moving on to game 16, Fred Nautical by Zen Studios. Now, if I say if it's just by, you know, by Zen Studios and I end there, that means it's developed and published by Zen Studios. It was released on April 29, 2020 with an MSRP of $19.99. It's only available on the Epic Game Store right now. I believe it's coming to Steam and other platforms later. Now, Dreadnautical is a turn-based strategy game. That's right. It's another turn-based strategy it's also kind of has elements of a roguelite in that if you die, you just reset and you have to play the level over again. Uh, you lose all the equipment that you gain through the level, but you know you don't have to reset your entire progress. It's just that floor. So basically, you're on a ship and you wake up. Everyone has amnesia or you're a zombie for some reason. And people are hearing voices and it's really weird. There's like a like a Cthulhu-like presence, like some cultists probably try to link dimensions together, resulting in this. And you're trying to get to the bottom of this or the top <laughs> by going to the top of the cruise ship. And you're exploring floor by floor. So you start out, it's pretty easy. Uh, you pick up items and weapons from the level and they have durability. So if you attack a zombie, it decreases in durability. When it hits zero, you can no longer use it, but you can fix it. And there's two currencies, scrap and runes, and you use that to fix items, upgrade them, which increases durability and damage, etc. And the runes you use to spec your character. And yeah, it's pretty fun. You go through, you just beat them. There's a lot of voice acting as well and cutscenes. They're pretty well done. The voice acting though, it feels the accents are very stereotypical in what you in what you would find in like an old detective movie, and I'm digging it. But I feel like the accents are a little bit overdone. Like the voice actors are trying too hard, and it doesn't come off as natural. Like you know what they're going for, but it sounds like it's too forced. Now I'm not I'm saying it's an issue, 
but it's, it kind of, it's, uh, it's kind of funny at times. <laughs> and very stereotypical accents you find in like an old detective movie, like a black and white one. Uh, I'm loving it. I'm digging it. And as you go through the levels, you talk to these characters and you try to pick the right conversation options so that they like you. If you do that enough, they'll join your party. And then, you know, you got more people to go through and clear the levels and they get larger and larger. The enemies get more difficult. There are boss fights. On top of that, you have to get food. You have to get food and keep your party members fed. And you're not going to get enough food sometimes. So what that means is someone's going to have to starve. And when they starve, they lose HP. And then they might die if you ignore them for a long time. So there, there are elements of like survival in there. It's very light. And then roguelites a little bit. And uh, turn-based strategy. That's the main combat phase. So I was pleasantly surprised. Again, when I play games, I go through them blind. I don't read anything. I don't watch anything. The only thing I do is I look at a couple screenshots to get an idea if I would want to cover this game or not. And I will, I'll cover almost literally anything, so I don't really turn down games. But that's it, and then I play them blind so that I can get my own opinion of the game. Like, I don't want my opinion tainted before I played it by reading something or watching something. So, um, what I learned was uh, if I don't have any preconceived notion of the game, usually what I come away with is mostly positive because I have fun playing it. And I know that someone out there is going to like the game. It's very rare for me to not recommend the game. It's mostly due to it not working. Like a multiplayer game where the multiplayer doesn't work. Um, there's one game called Out of Space where I really like the game. I think the game is well made. I like everything about it. But the problem is I'm playing on US East and I can't find... A single person to play with and this is a multiplayer game i can clear small and medium rooms solo large rooms though is very painful and tedious doing solo so i want someone else there with me but you know i can't find the persons i don't know if it's due to matchmaking or the fact that like literally no one else in u.s east the u.s east area uh, has the game which I don't think is the case so like you know I can't recommend people buy that game because if they do and they don't have anyone to play with then that's gonna be a real bummer so like only in rare cases like that I add a caveat a caveat and be like yeah there might be some issues with multiplayer or whatnot but yeah other than that uh Dreadnautical having a lot of fun with that uh I I know this is a bit shallow but I've I want achievements. <laughs> Give me my achievements, all right? At the game store, you got to add achievements in, man. What are you doing? All right, that was Dreadnautical. Moving on to game number 17, Pixel Starships by Savvy Soda. It was released on May 1st, 2020 onto PC. It's a free-to-play game as previously on mobile. Now, this is basically Clash of Clans in space. That's right. It has... The same mechanics, you collect two units of currency, you got minerals, and you got gas. Now, is that starting to sound familiar? And then you level up your village, I mean your spaceship, where you can build more buildings and upgrade your mineral and resource collection units. And then, you know, you get weapons, you can hire uh, crew members, 
Now where it differs is that I think this game is brilliantly evil in that it combines the addictive elements of other types of mobile games. So for example, the crew mechanic is a gacha game. So you're trying to get these rare crew members, but it costs crystals to recruit them. And you're going to spend a lot of time trying to get the best guys. And after you get them, you can train them up. Now, <laughs> that's pretty evil. And on top of that, you got the standard Clash of Clans formula where, you know, you got to upgrade these buildings. But then you only have two builders. If you want to get the third one, it costs premium currency called Starbucks. Yeah, I'm not joking. It's called Starbucks. And you can get it by watching ads. And you need about 150 to get the third one. And it turns into 450 to get the fourth one. And yeah, uh, I'm already hooked. I have four accounts already. <laughs> uh, when I played Clash of Clans, I had eight accounts. And I would wage my own clan wars. I believe you needed 10 people. So I just needed two other people to join in. And uh, I think it was just one guy with two accounts. Yeah, I had uh, I had a blast playing Clash of Clans. And then I was like, this is not healthy. Let's stop. <laughs> So I quit playing, but yeah, I'm proud to say that I only spent, I think, 20 bucks on the game because I was very curious to see if spending money on the game would, you know, accelerate my progress by, you know, any means. So I was like, you know what, I will spend $20 on the game and let's see what it does for me. So I spent $20 on like a diamond bundle, I think. It might have been 5 to $20. I forgot what the exact amount was. And then I spent all of that to see where it would get me. And turns out it got me nowhere. It got me like this far ahead. So don't spend money on these games, guys. It's, uh, I think it's okay to spend a little bit, like five bucks or something to support the devs. If you like the game and you got some enjoyment out of it, that's great. But these games are so darn evil and that they trick you into spending a lot of money. It, want, it makes you want to spend a lot of money. Don't fall for it. Uh, give them a reasonable amount if you want to support them. Uh, but don't fall into their tricks. But yeah, I am already all in. I got four accounts <laughs> for my own clan. Uh, I'm playing on all three of my mobile devices. I have a tablet, I have an old phone, and then I have a, a an okay phone, and then my PC. So yeah, maybe I'll... Get more accounts. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, those Pixel Starships out now. There are other things you can do. You can get a lab to research stuff. And, um, you know, there are little mini games when you go out. There's single player modes. So you can do story mode stuff. And then some of them are like sending out crew members and doing like a mini turn-based RPG combat, whatever. And, you know, they, they change it up a little bit, but overall the general formula is basically Clash of Clans and a little bit of gacha elements. And basically the, the base building, the ship building is sort of like Fallout Shelter. But yeah, there you have it, Pixel Starships. On our, our next game, our 18th game, we're almost there, guys. Crown Trick Beta by Next Studios. It's coming soon really soon the price is to be announced crown trick is basically a roguelite it's a dungeon crawler it's turn-based so it's kind of unique in that if you move one tile that counts as a turn and the enemies will then move and you know take action so when you're playing it 
you can move freely, but then if you keep moving, it keeps advancing the turns. So if you don't stop and plan out each move, you're going to end up dying quite a bit. So I would recommend when you play this game, take your time and make sure you plan out your moves ahead and then go slowly. Treat it like a turn-based game and then you're going to have a lot, of mo lot more fun and you're going to be able to beat the level. But it's very hard and when you die, you start over again. Now in the full release, they said they're going to add some overall progression so that when you die, you don't lose everything. I think they should have added this in the beta because as it is, it's kind of hard. There's a little bit of balancing issues too in, in the beta. I think at this point, the version number was 0 0.5, so it has a lot more to go, obviously. But basically, um, it was really difficult to beat the bosses unless you had stuns. So basically, there's a, a familiar. You can get a familiar. You can get up to two and then you can get up to one weapon and then, you know, you can swap the weapons out, you can upgrade it, whatever, once you beat the boss. And uh, there's one familiar which will let you stun bosses. So basically, when you attack an enemy enough, then it will kind of put them in a stunned position, a stun status effect for a little bit. And then so the combo is you stun them with the move and then you attack them to stun them further and then by then the cooldown off of the stun move has been removed so you use that again and you just repeat the process over and over again uh, but for this to work though you need some items that will replenish your mana or give you a chance to use the spell for free or uh, reduce the cost of the spell the more you use it so when you have those items with you those passive abilities those passive upgrades what happens is you can use that stun move almost infinitely. So I'm just giving you guys a strategy on how to get to the last, the third boss. I think that's where the demo ends. I don't know because I've never beaten it. I came pretty close. But the third boss is pretty hard in that there are three witches. Oh wait, is that the second boss? I don't remember. <laughs> but there are three witches and you got to kill them one after the other and it gets pretty difficult. And you only have a potion that gives you two charges. And, you know, going through the level to the boss itself is challenging enough. But, you know, finding the boss without the potions, pretty hard. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a challenging game. I was a little bit frustrated at first because it was a little bit obtuse in that it's not really apparent what you're supposed to do to win. But it's like that in, you know, most games where you got to learn it. So this game took a little bit longer to learn than most. But yeah, once I figured out that stun move, uh, I just saw like a video, I watched it for like 5 seconds, I understood the loop immediately, I implemented, implemented it myself, and then I got, I breezed through the game. So, you know, I think there's some balancing issues there. That said, all that should be fixed by the time it's out. But yeah, that was Crown Trick Beta, coming soon. Alright, on to game number 19. Kill It With Fire Ignition. Ignition is the demo version. Kill It With Fire is the full version. It's developed by Casey Donnellan Games, LLC. It's published by Tiny Build, and it's releasing summer 2020 with the price to be announced. The demo is out now. It's free. You can download it on Steam. And let me tell you, this is a hilarious game. It's basically one of those sim games like Red Simulator, Hand Simulator, 
It's made for streaming. It's made for you to watch and enjoy. It's made for you to play and enjoy. Basically, you're in a house and you're trying to hunt down spiders and you got to take out items because they could be hiding behind it and they won't move until you look at them. And you can throw the items everywhere and then they give you a crazy amount of items to kill the spiders with. I'm talking like revolver, double barrel shotgun, C4. Yes, C4 cheese puffs. If you put cheese puffs down, apparently spiders love cheese puffs and they'll run towards it and they'll crunch on him and <laughs> munch it. And uh, then you can shoot him. You got shurikens. And I'm like, what the heck is this game? But when I played it, I immediately knew what type of game it was. And it was, you know, I was laughing to myself the entire time. It's so silly. And I think people will have a blast playing this game. Yeah, by the way, like, Two publishers have been sticking out to me so far. Tiny Build, they really know how to pick out the more quirky indie games. And then Team 17 as well. Like, Team 17, uh, like, whatever game they publish, uh, it's like they're reading my mind. It's like every game from Team 17, I'm going to enjoy pretty much. Most of them. Same thing with Tiny Build. So that's that's uh, incredible. But yeah, Killer with Fire Ignition. Uh, you guys should check it out. <laughs> it's 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 gonna be a lot of fun. There are only two levels available, um, but yeah, pretty fun. All right, game number twenty, through the nightmares. Now I played a demo. The demo is available out now. It's developed by Sandman Team. It was published by Creative Forge Games. It's coming at the end of two thousand and twenty, with the price to be announced. And this is. A 2D platformer. It's pretty challenging. You are playing the Sandman coming to rescue kids trapped in nightmares by going through their nightmares and getting to the end. It's very punishing. Um, there are two mechanics that are pretty unique. You can shrink your size to get through obstacles and then you can get an hourglass and then you can place a checkpoint anywhere on the map. When you die you start over at the beginning but if you place the checkpoint down, you can die like a couple times before you have to start over at the beginning again. You can retake the checkpoint. But uh, the, the creative thing is when you die and you respawn on the checkpoint, it's a lantern and you spawn on top of it. So it gives you clearance and if you use that to your advantage, you get a couple seconds where you get additional height and you can go over obstacles a lot easier. But yeah, uh, it ends with a boss fight where a troll is chasing you through the level. And if you die, you have to start over. Now, um, you know, for game design, if you have a chase sequence and there's a fail state, it breaks the tension of that chase sequence. It has to feel like a movie where you can beat it in one go and there shouldn't be a fail state. Because if you fail and you start over, it breaks that tension and it lessens it. But for this game, I think it's okay because... The main point is that it's trying to teach you how to beat the level. You know, it's it's about repetition because I died so many times trying to clear the levels. Uh, it was definitely not easy because I was playing on keyboard. I played everything on keyboard if I can. Uh, I even played Street Fighter 4 on keyboard. But yeah, I'm a masochist. What can I say? That was Through the Nightmares. Alright, on to our next section, Noteworthy. Alright, our 21st game. This game uh, took me by surprise. 
It's Filament. Filament developed by Beard Envy, published by Casado Games and Maple Whispering. It was released on April 23rd, 2020 with an MSRP of $16.99. Now, Filament, I love this game. It's a puzzle game where you are controlling a little dude and you're wrapping a wire around beacons to light them up. They change up the gameplay quite a bit by introducing new mechanics, but more importantly, it's challenging as heck. It's so hard. But the thing is, it's not unfair. It's never unfair. It always gives you hints through the level design. If you pay attention, there are like little obstacles and like paths that, you know, that only one way is possible in certain areas. So when you look at a level, you can see pieces of the puzzle, but never the whole. And that's why it's so challenging because you don't know how you're supposed to put together everything, but you know how certain parts are supposed to go. And that's why I think it's brilliant. It's incredibly well-designed. It took me by surprise. This has quickly become one of my favorite games. So I have Super Liminal up there. Uh, that's one of the games that actually touched me quite a bit. And I thought it was a really good blend of the narrative coming together with the gameplay. Because the main theme was changing your perspective can change reality. And that's what the gameplay element was. So the narrative tied together with the gameplay. It wasn't just a gimmick. And the ending uh, resonated with me so much. So that, you know, after I beat it. I was playing this on stream, you know, I I almost wanted to cry, you know, (laughs) but I couldn't because I was on camera and like, I just had to sit there and and, like, and think for like 10 minutes. Like I want more maybe, but I was on stream, so I didn't want to just sit there and do nothing. But I made me think about life quite a bit, Um, you know, like, because when you're going through difficult times, that, that message of the game, like hits you, like. Because it's real, you can relate to it. Not only that, it gives you a, a solution, right? Not like a solution to fix everything, but like a solution to get through it. That's the most important thing. doesn't make the problems go away, but you can change your perspective to see them in a different light. And that was the main point. And that's the main point of the game as well. That's how you solve the problems. But yeah, Filament is different in that the narrative doesn't really blend with the gameplay elements. It's more like the gameplay elements itself are so strong for me that, you know, it took me by surprise. I think about the game when I'm going to sleep, I'm like, how the heck would I solve this problem? It's incredibly well-made, well-designed. Again, it's never unfair. I mean, it could be unfair for certain parts or certain people, but when I look at it, it's designed so well that I always have a piece of the puzzle. I always have a few pieces of the puzzle, but never the whole. And finding the whole is so rewarding. It's just so satisfying. Not only that, there are a lot of puzzles in this game. Some, like most puzzle games, you can solve in like three, four hours maybe. Um, you know, they more of a narrative-based games. They want to have like a smooth presentation and move things along. But this game, it's all about the puzzles and there's so many of them. Not only that, you're on a spaceship and you're trying to open doors to save this person trapped in um, part of the ship so they can get out and survive. But uh, there's a lot of like secrets you can find. There's a lot of collectibles. So if you like that, that gives you stuff to do in between puzzles. 
Not only that, it doesn't like lock you into one series of puzzles until you solve it. You can go to another area where it has different types of puzzles. So like it's brilliant. If you get stuck, you can move to a different set of puzzles, which will be, you know, have a different mechanic or maybe the same mechanic, who knows, and then work on that and come back to it. So uh, the the design of the game has got me rap- enraptured. Is that the word? <laughs> this is one of the best games that I played personally in recent times. Uh, along with Superliminal, which is good company. Again, these are these are my personal preferences. Um, it's not going to be for everyone because if you don't like hard games, if you get easily frustrated, that's not going to be for you. But man, incredible and brilliant for Filament. So hopefully people will check it out because I don't think anyone's talking about it. But please check this game out. Filament. Um, it took me by surprise. There you, ha- there you have it. We went through all 21 games. Uh, one of the games came out in March, and I didn't cover it uh, late, early enough, late enough. Yes, yeah, so I included that in here. But oh, that took forever. That took so much time. Let's see, we're at uh, yeah, two hours almost. Holy cow! <laughs> All right, never again am I releasing an episode this late. Moving on to our next section: upcoming releases. Alright, we got a couple. I'm just going to list a few that stuck out to me. There's a lot of games that came out and will come out in the coming months. Because again, I released this episode so late. So I apologize for that. But we got Moving Out coming out on April 20th, 28th, 2020. It's basically a co-op game like Overcooked, Tools Up, Out of Space, etc. It's also from Team 17. Again, Quickly becoming one of my favorite publishers because they're picking all the games that I enjoy. Uh, I believe there's a demo out if you want to check that out. It's free. So it might be for you. And now we got our next game, Streets of Rage 4, coming out on April 30th, 2020. So I like Streets of Rage. There's more Streets of Rage. That's a great thing. Let's rage on the streets. (laughs) Alright, moving on to our next game. I'm just trying to keep this quick. Last of Us Part 2 coming out on was originally scheduled for May 29, 2020. It's been delayed to June 19, 2020. On top of that, a lot of material, a lot of content of the game has already been leaked. So if you want to play this game and don't want to be spoiled, stay away from the internets for Last of Us Part 2. But I really like Last of Us, uh, the first game. I really liked the story and the atmosphere. The gameplay, it was mediocre for me, but the characters and the general environment and feel of the game drew me in quite a bit, so I'm looking forward to part two. And finally, the game of the century, Deadly Premonition 2, coming to Switch July 10th. It is copying True Detective this time, whereas the first game copied Twin Peaks. And I was introduced to Deadly Premonition 1 thanks to the Giant Bomb playthroughs. And it is one of the weirdest, jankiest pro games you can play. But for some reason, it's so darn endearing. so darn charismatic. You know, you can see a lot of references about the coffee. 
the uh, sandwich. I forgot what the character's name was. So says Mr. Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, like York, Agent <laughs> York, uh, etc. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of memes, a lot of inside references, inside jokes that fans of the game will say. Um, but I'm excited for number two. Like, what weirdness will it bring? I hope it's just as janky. I hope things are just as broken. I hope things are just as wonderfully weird and charming as the first one. I hope they don't make it into like a, a solid mediocre game. I want it to be weird. I want it to be a little bit broken. I want it to be a little bit rough around the edges. Uh, because there's some magic. I don't know how they did it with the first one, but they did it. So Deadly Premonition 2 coming out. Worth checking out. Uh, the closest game that I played to Deadly Premonition was Pathological 2. Uh, or Pathologic 2. That game is also weird. Uh, very broken sometimes. A little bit janky. A little bit rougher on the edges. Not quite as magical as Deadly Premonition for me. But it definitely has some charm to it. Alright, moving on to our next section. News. Alright, I'm just going to cover a few items here. Uh, Broomstick League was removed from all of the digital storefronts on April 3rd, 2020. They removed it from Steam. Now, if you guys don't know, Broomstick League is basically Quidditch. It was a combination of Quidditch and Rocket League, but they didn't do anything to, you know, violate copyrights. Nothing was copied directly from Harry Potter and didn't borrow anything heavily. Uh, it's a different game than Quidditch. If you play it, it's a three-on-three game and it feels closer to Rocket League a little bit. It felt great. It moved great. And I was looking forward to how the game would develop. And all of a sudden, it was removed from my Steam library. Like, I could not play the game. It, it was literally removed my license was revoked. I saw this pop-up on Steam. It's the first time I've seen it in my life. And it said that your license for this game has been revoked by the publisher. And I was like, what the heck? How could someone take the game away from me? And this is kind of the problem of having everything tied to an online account as opposed to physically owning the game. Like If I, if I had the game, I could play it, you know? Like, you can have matchmaking services removed... But there, there are ways around that that you can do on your own. You can have private servers or etc. But like actually having the game deleted from my account, that was insane. Not only that, uh, I got this game for free to review. Uh, I mean, preview, make content for. But other people paid money for this game. And, you know, whether or not they get a refund is up to the storefronts. And some of them might not give these people a refund. So it's kind of messed up. So I can't blame them though. Uh, people are speculating as to why. They haven't spoken out as to why the game was removed. But people are speculating that you know Harry Potter is owned by Warner Bros. Warner Bros. might have you know pressed them. You know be like hey we're going to sue you if you publish this game. Because they might be thinking of releasing their own Quidditch game. Or you know it might be Epic Games because they own Rocket League. And maybe they thought that... Um, this would kind of cannibalize Rocket League sales. So they're like, let's get rid of it. Who knows? But it's crazy. And I'm going to dig more into this later. And if I find anything interesting, I will let you guys know. 
Uh, moving on to our next item. I just mentioned this because I thought it was kind of crazy how you can pay money for a game and then someone can take it away from you. Um, that's why I, I am a huge fan of being able to own something, like actually own something. Private ownership is very important. And in this day and age, we don't have private ownership. Everything is a service. And these are the dangers uh, when you have everything as a service. It can be removed from you. So something to think about. I went on and ran about this a while ago. But now it happens. So it's very rare, but it doesn't mean that it won't happen again. Okay, moving on to our next, next news item. Uh, because, you know, E3 is canceled and, and etc. Jeff Keighley, uh, God bless his soul, is kind of getting together a summer's Game Fest, which is going to last from May to August, and it's going to bring you the latest gaming news. Big publishers have already signed on, big developers as well. You kind of, you're going to get like more details about the Xbox Series X, etc. And that's going to coincide with the Steam Summer Game Festival from June 9th to the 14th, where, you know, demos will be available, previews will be available. It's like Luda Naricon, where they made demos available for a lot of narrative games, indie based games. You could try all of it out for free. And I think it's a good thing because, you know, because of the coronavirus, because, you know, you don't want large gatherings in public places. Uh, we have to adapt. And this is one way where you can kind of bring attention to all the gaming news that people would want and make it available online in one central location. So it kind of has the same feel as E3, but we don't have to go there physically. So. Uh, I think it's it's a pretty good move. Yeah, I think it's a very smart move. And, you know, people now more than ever want games. Uh, all the gaming-related accessories are sold out. It's very interesting. This is kind of adding on to this. Like, microphones are sold out. Webcams are sold out. Uh, it's really weird about Elgato capture cards are sold out. Nintendo Switches are sold out. And they still are sold out. It's crazy, but yeah. <laughs> gaming related stuff has been sold out and um not only that i hate resellers because they buy everything up and then create an artificial shortage and then mark up the prices i saw a dude who had like an entire wall full of nintendo switches talking like 20 switches 20 plus switches i'm like come on it's just some poor kid who wants to play a nintendo switch and you're making them pay almost double all right Enough of that, moving on to our last news item. Assassin's Creed Valhalla has been revealed, and I am super hyped. I love Assassin's Creed. Uh, I will play any Assassin's Creed game. Doesn't mean I'm going to like it, or I'm not going to recognize that it has flaws. I just overall have a, a fondness for that series, especially the first one. I believe the first one was the strongest game in that it was going towards like a sandbox murder sim, like Hitman. And then all of a sudden, the number two went more narrative focus. Like uh, it went to a more of a focus on narrative and character building and open world exploring kind of. And, you know, in, in Origin and Odyssey, they went more in on that. And like Valhalla is going to go all in on that. But I kind of missed the game in this of... You know, collecting intel on your target, figuring out the routes 
that they're going to take figuring out your routes based on the information and then planning your your kill and executing on it and if you pull it off flawlessly it's amazing it feels great and that's more like hitman than what assassin creed is now and i don't have a problem with that because if i want to play a hitman type of game i'm just gonna play hitman and then i have assassin's creed now so it went off in a new direction and i i still enjoy it so man you're a viking by the way (laughs) you're a viking and you have the hidden blade back and it's mounted on the top of your wrist not the bottom so big deal (laughs) not the bottom anymore well what a big switch but yeah uh the trailer is out now so you guys should check it out if you're an assassin's creed fan coming out holidays 2020 around the winter time probably christmas time new year's uh something to look forward to anyways we finally made it holy cow what a long episode sorry for the decrease in the camera quality again I was recording on this guy, and it doesn't tell me when it stops recording. From the front, there's no indicator. This light here is just for uh, the autofocus. There's no indicator from the front as to whether or not it's recording. And I had so many times where this camera would die because it ran out of battery, and I wouldn't know, or it would just literally stop recording in the middle for no reason. And... Every time I do a podcast, I have to record it three times. This one took two hours. So if I had to redo a two-hour podcast three times, I would smash this guy. Now, don't don't, don't get me wrong. This is a pretty good camera. And for video and photo, uh, the autofocus is very slow, but you adjust by pre-focusing on on the depth of field that you want. You can get around uh, the lack of a slow autofocus because we had manual focus on cameras for a long while, people. I don't know if they remember. But yeah. Uh, but I don't want to waste my time dealing with that anymore. So I, I had enough. And I'm like, I'm not going to use this anymore. I'm tired. I'd rather use this crappy webcam. Because I know it's going to be recording. Uh, you know. I don't have to redo it. I can redo a take if I want. If I mess up. Or I can edit it out. But with that camera, I got to re-record everything. So... Ah, so frustrating. First world problems, whatever. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I can use this webcam. That's fine. But yeah, uh, that's why I've been having so much problems with releasing this podcast. And after skipping out for a month, I have so many games to cover that I will never delay this podcast ever again because I don't want to I don't want to do a two-hour podcast and talk about games for that long. I'm losing my voice here. And I spilled coke all over me, so I had to change my clothes in the middle of it. Now the angle's all off. I, It's like, whatever. It is what it is. I'm going to release the episode. Some episodes are going to be you know, worse than others, obviously. But what can you do? Uh, I got to try my best and get better overall. It's It's a journey, you know? Baby steps. Not every episode has to be a 10 out of 10. Not every episode has to be perfect. That's impossible. So I apologize for the quality. I'm going to try to do better next time. Um, I'm looking into the market for better camera. That's what I'm doing. But yeah. But yeah, this has been episode six of the Ducky O'Brien show. Thank you so much for dropping by and watching. I really do appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, things you'll like to see or for me to cover, please feel free to leave a comment down below. If you're listening in uh, through my audio format, my MP3s, 
You can email me at duckyobrienshow at gmail.com. That's right. Once again, the email is duckyobrienshow at gmail.com. All right, we're going to end it there. Once again, thank you guys so much for dropping in and listening. I really do appreciate it. Uh, and I really do mean it. If you want me to cover anything, you make, make any type of video, if you need help on any games or anything at all, just feel free to leave me a comment and or send me an email, and I'll do my best. I make a lot of guide videos, and you know I don't know what people need help on. If you need help on anything, I'll make you a guide just for you. And I will cut out all the fluff. I'll write a script, and I'll do my best to make a concise guide that tries to cover everything from uh, every reasonable angle. Anyways, I'm going to end there. I'm losing my voice. Thank you so much for dropping by. I do stream on Twitch, and I do have a gaming channel. I'm going to link those in the description as well if you want to check it out. Also, it would help if you would follow me on Twitter and Instagram and or Facebook. I'm going to link those as well. And uh, that's pretty much it. I forgot my sign-off. It's been so long. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for dropping by. And I hope you guys are staying safe and sane out there. Uh, I'm going a little bit crazy sometimes being cooped in for so long. But yeah, as always, catch you guys next time. Oh my god, 20 games? Never again. Never again. I was coke free for like a week and then I caved and drank some today. I have a problem. <laughs> okay. By coke, I mean cocaine, obviously. I'm just kidding. Coca-Cola. Don't do drugs, kids. Stay in school. Obviously not physically in school because they're closed now. I meant like mentally in school.